0: Hello everyone, this is Abhishit
1: and we are very excited for today's episode. Hi everyone, this is Vishwajit. Welcome to an interview episode of Jeet, the sports podcast where we discuss sports and talk to sports
0: personalities. Today, we have with us Aparna Ravichandran. She is a former childhood athlete, turned sports fan, turned sports manager, turned author editor of the book, Go! India: Sporting Transformation. Previously, she was the head of partnerships at Go Sports Foundation, which was award, awarded Rashtriya Khel Protsahan Puraskar in 2019 by the President of India for their NGO work in sports. Aparna, welcome to the podcast. How are you? How are things down under?
2: Thank you. Thank you, Abhijit. Thank you, Vishwajit. Very, very happy to be joining you both on this podcast. Probably the first time in my life that I've been introduced as a sports personality, but if you mean a person working in sport and passionate about sport, then yes, that is me. and things are good, yeah, we're um, I'm in Melbourne, and we're just coming out of uh, one of the world's longest and strictest lockdowns. so earlier this week we've been able to get out and nice. you know go back to some semblance of normalcy, yes, after months and months indoors, so yeah. I moved here recently, only at the end of last year, and all I can say to sum it up is it's been an extremely strange first year in a new
0: country, but things are going well. Um, How is it with you guys? Uh, Not too bad. I mean, uh, as you know, India has been severely affected with COVID-19, but now the cases are going down, things are opening up, so it's better than how it was three, four months ago. Uh, and now let's see, I'm just afraid that, you know, we will be hit by another wave in December, January. In Melbourne, it will be summer, right? December, January?
2: Yes, we're going into summer. So it's been a long, hard winter and a very, very cold winter as well, as I found out for the first time. But okay. as we're going into summer, things are slated to open up. And of course, there is a certain level of uncertainty as there is in all other countries. Um, we don't know when this thing is going to come back and we don't know to what extent it's going to influence our lives. But I think it's here to stay. So we might as well settle down and get used to it and carry on with lives as much as we're able to. And Got just right. hoping all of you stay safe through Thank the winter so that's much. coming, particularly after the festive season. Yes.
0: Yeah. All right. Abana, so uh, first of all, please tell our listeners, how did you get into sports?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think my trace to it sport, I'm not really sure when it began, but I think it comes with my DNA. My, my father is a. Huge sports fan. He's almost a walking encyclopedia of many, many sports, with I think cricket being his primary passion. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood not really being a sports fan. I wasn't too interested in all the sport that was always playing on our TV. But I was an athlete, for some years at least. Um, I was made to join Taekwondo against my will by my mother. And boy, am I glad she insisted and enrolled me in martial arts classes because... Those were truly some of the best years of my life, now that I look back on them. And I think that's when I learned what it meant to be an athlete and what joy it can give you to not only be physically fit, but also be able to stretch your uh, physical and mental capabilities and capacity. So I truly enjoyed those years. And then I think, yeah, with my father's passion and sport constantly in every conversation and in our homes at all times, um, really couldn't stay away for a long time. And I can actually pinpoint a a moment and a day when I first got interested in sport as a fan, and this was during the the India versus Pakistan Test match when the Pakistan cricket team had come to India back in 1999. Um, yep. You know, we had the Test match playing on our TV, and it was the last day of the Test when Sachin Tendulkar had scored a century, and India ended up losing. But yeah. it was a fascinating day's play. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah I remember that. I don't remember it. I remember that. Remember. And uh, Sachin had been having back problems and uh, he got out uh, trying to uh, play, trying to hit a six, I believe, in that match. And uh, then uh, the rest of the team just crumbled under the pressure and we lost the match, unfortunately. From a winning position, I think we just needed some 10, 15 runs to win, I believe, at the end. And we lost it, unfortunately.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's my recollection as well. But I think what I remember being more fascinated with was, wow, this is so exciting. I'm not able to predict which way the outcome is going to go. Plus, um, I only knew of the Pakistan team as a team that isn't really, doesn't really get too much support in India, let's say. But I do remember them doing a victory lap around the ground after they won the match. And then I found out things like this was the first test match uh, of their visiting tour and so on. And I was fascinated. And then all I asked my father was, when is the next match? And then, of course, the next match, Anil Kumble went on to take 10 wickets in an innings. Wow. So there were a lot of milestones and a lot of landmark moments during those, during that series. And I was hooked for life. And so it has stayed. So I'm, yeah, that's a long sort of story to encapsulate how I ended up becoming a fan, which I have stayed. And then, of course, my interest has expanded to other sports as well i I watch tennis very, very passionately, very, very passionate follower of tennis. Um, I used to follow Formula One, and now I just sort of keep tabs, of course, on what's going on across the board. But I think I took the I took the leap to start working in sport when I had already embarked on a different career path. I was working as a German language translator. And with Robert Bosch India, and it was a good employer, a good team. And I was set for a sort of corporate career path, you know, with uh, assured promotions. And I sort of knew where I would end up. But I started thinking about what I'd rather be doing, to be honest. And my mother at that time, who's a teacher and educator, she introduced me to an educational counselor who was able to channel my sort of sporadic thoughts into a career direction, which I couldn't have visualized for myself. And that lady spoke to me and after half half an hour, her recommendation was you should be studying sports management, which was the first time that I was hearing about this field. This was back in 2009, I believe. And then, of course, I spent a good part of the next few months looking around, doing my research on courses um, in this particular discipline. And I came to understand that this would be a good way for me to gauge what opportunities lie out there in sport. And given that I was not an active athlete anymore, I wanted to get a foot in the door. And I also wanted to understand what possibilities lie out there globally, not just in India. And it was a good time to um, go abroad. Obviously, go to I chose to go to the UK during the year of the London Olympics over there. So yeah, long story short, um, great place to be. I think it was a case of right time, right place for me. And then I ended up following India's performance at the Olympics that particular year. And that was our best performance in terms of the medal hall that we had. Six
0: medals, yeah.
2: Exactly, six medals. So I remember coming back just with this singular thought that I would love to work with athletes at this level. And it just seemed like such an exciting space to be in in India with the whole sports sector growing. I couldn't wait to come back and be a part of it. So that's exactly what I did. (laughs) So that's my story of how I got into sport,
0: to answer your question. Correct. Uh, so you were uh, in UK for a couple of years, I guess. How long was your course? I was there for a little
2: more than a year. So most master's courses in the UK tend to be for about a year. So I went there around the end of uh, 2011 and yeah, came back December 2012.
0: All right. So I think you moved to Bangalore in 2014. 14. Uh, I, of course, came there in turn 15. And uh, you started working for Post Foundation. And at the same time, I joined uh, Copyright Integrity National. So I remember, like, uh, of course, for listeners, uh, these two organizations are like sister organizations. Uh, So there were a couple of assignments where I worked with Aparna. uh, And uh, Aparna, would you like to tell our listeners about your experience working with Post Foundation?
2: I would, absolutely. And... uh before i get into that part of my story i think i also want to go a little bit further into my year in the uk because i believe that that planted the seed in many ways for my time at go sports um that's when i really started following a lot of olympic sports and it also ended up happening because i had a number of people on my course in my class who were all connected to sport in so many different ways um they came from countries all over the world we had you know North Americans, South Americans, Europeans, Africans, Asians, all united by this one single common passion. So that was the first time where I found that when we had many people in a room, conversation effortlessly came together because all of us had that one thing in common, which was a passion for sport. So that was the first time that I truly experienced the joy of um, living a life centered around sport, if I could describe it that way. And so many of the activities that we undertook as friends, as classmates, as students um, on that campus, which again lives and breeds sport. If you know Loughborough University, it has a reputation as the UK's premier institution for sports studies. And I can definitely corroborate that through my experience over there. Um, There were many, many events that happened on campus, and again, I took the opportunity to volunteer and to be part of the organizing committee for all of these events, which is when I got first-hand experience of how um, sporting events are organized and what goes on behind the scenes. What we see is, of course, on, on television or as fans and spectators live, but what goes on behind the scenes, of course, is a universe, which if an event is done well, you don't really get a sense of everything that's gone on well. Yes. behind the scenes so yeah i had I had such brilliant experiences like i got to be a ball girl at an atp challenger event on our campus for the yes. first time and that's really what led to me growing my love for tennis because i found that i had the best seats in the house of course i also had to work alongside because being a ball girl means physically ensuring that the match goes on and you know that the players are um well taken care of i suppose with the You know, with the ball being returned to them on time and so on and so forth. But I found that I was enjoying the play going on in front of me so much that there were times that I would start clapping behind my back inconspicuously, but as a fan, just enjoying the act going on in front of me. And then, of course, I went to the London 2012 Olympics and Paralympics as well because I wasn't going to let that chance go by without being a spectator at a mega event of the scale of the Olympics. And that was when, in fact, I got to watch my sport of taekwondo live and it took my breath away. And that was when I think um, I've, I've lived with some amount of regret that I stopped um, pursuing taekwondo at the age of about 15. But that's really when I got, a, I got a sense of what could have been in my life. And it just reinforced my determination to come back and to work with sport. And to ensure that if any athlete had any level of potential, not to say that I had the potential to be as excellent and as world-class as some of these athletes were, but if any athlete had that potential, then they should not have to drop out of sport for lack of encouragement and for lack of people around them telling them that this is a career direction that they can pursue. So I think that's the random notion that settled in my head. So I didn't really have a sense of where exactly I would end up working. But that's really when I knew it was going to be um, Olympic and Paralympic sports and that I would love to work with elite athletes. So, yeah, when I came to the to the business end of my course, I started doing my research for um, job prospects in India, given that, of course, there weren't too many opportunities to stay back in the UK at that point of time. I was actually excited to come back to India because, as I said earlier, the sports sector was burgeoning. And I think... I wanted to come back and work in Bangalore because that's where I had begun my career uh, some years ago. So when I researched for organizations working in sport in Bangalore, GoSports, of course, came up as one of the first few names on Google. And I'm I'm very, very grateful that it did because once I saw the kind of work that they were doing and the kind of people that they were working with, again, for listeners who may not be familiar, at that point of time, the organization's board of advisors included Rahul Dravid, Abhinav Bindra, and Pulela Gokichan who each of these athletes stands for excellence, stands for credibility, stands for trust, and who wouldn't want to work with them, right? So I spent a year working with a sports management company before finding my way to go sports. And I'm so, so grateful that I had, um, yeah, I had a manager who welcomed me into the team. And coming to my time over there with the organization, I truly value the four and a half years that I spent there as a period of growth and tremendous learning. And that's when I found that I was able to do things I would never have dreamt of doing. Um, I was hired to be part of the marketing and fundraising team, essentially. But what that meant was it evolved into a partnerships role, which meant that I was looking after the communications. I was managing athletes at one point. The athletes were all from different sports. Um, I didn't really know much about some of the sports that I ended up managing. But of course, it was learning on the job, which was great. I came in contact with uh, well, with athletes themselves, with their coaches, with sports science specialists who were working with them, with individuals who wanted to organize events to give back to sport, uh, with corporate leaders who were, I mean, of course, they climbed the ladder and gotten to the top of their professions, but they were also brought to us by their love of sport. And it somehow brought out the child in them. So I think it was a true pleasure interacting with all of these different kinds of individuals, again, united by our love and common passion of sport. Individuals um, immediately understood that our vision was worth supporting. And that's, that's what I enjoyed the most, to be honest, going to people and not having to explain why what we were doing was important because the organization's vision was to empower sports excellence. And essentially what we were working to do was enable athletes to be the best that they can be by putting a professional support system in place so that India is able to churn out athletes who are coming out because of the system and not in spite of the system as it traditionally has been. So, yeah, I personally speaking for myself, I wore a lot of different hats, like I said. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, I also ended up uh, you know writing and editing a book, which was a childhood dream of mine, but I never thought it would come to fruition in this way where I would get to work with some of my childhood idols, people I had hugely admired and respected growing up. And I truly, truly value being able to work with such a motivated, driven team who were encouraging and, yeah, they were all there, united by a shared purpose. there. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have been a part of that vision. And that's something I will always carry with me.
1: Okay. Uh, tell us more all about the book. Uh, whose idea was it to write the book? Uh, how was the editing process? How did you go about it?
2: Yeah, the book's an interesting one. So the idea to write Go the book was, I think it came from our founder, the founder of GoSports, uh, which is Nandan Kamat. He's our managing trustee. And when we realized we were coming up on 10 years of the organization's existence, we thought we should commemorate this in some special form. And he suggested doing it in the form of a book. And when we started discussing what should go in the book, we first started talking about moments along the entire journey of co sports. And then we realized that 2008 to 18 had been a truly momentous decade for Indian sport. Um, For, again, for people who may not know, Abhinav Bindra's Olympic gold medal came in 2008. Um, The IPL was launched in 2008. And mainly and truly importantly, one thing that we all realized as a team that had been working behind the scenes of Indian sport for a while, we realized that belief systems had changed somewhere along the way that athletes were not only going to the mega events to participate anymore, they were going with the intention of winning. Um, And there is is enough anecdotal evidence, again, by athletes who have made it to the highest level around the turn of the decade, around 2000 and 2005, where they've seen how starry-eyed and how star-crossed our Indian athletes used to be just getting to the highest level, such that, you know, they didn't really care about their performance on the big day during the Olympics itself. But... I can attest to the fact that when our athletes were going to the Asian Games, to the Commonwealth Games, to the Olympics as well, they were going out there to win. And I remember moments like a Deepakar going to the Rio Olympics in 2016 and finishing fourth, which is a historic feat truly in the, in the entire history of Indian sport. And she was crying because she thought she had let the nation down. That's truly the spirit that we wanted to document and commemorate in the book in some form. And then we started discussing topics and we realized that we would love to cover perspectives from the media, um, how the media is looking at sport, what careers are offered by sport. And of course, I mean, you can't write a book about sport and not mention cricket, right? Of course, we wanted to document the IPL and how it has transformed our sporting landscape as well. And of course, we wanted to get into sports governance also, how it has traditionally been, what all needs to be fixed, what the issues are going forward, and at the same time, what, um, what light there is on the horizon. And again, a book like this would have been incomplete without narrating the stories of women athletes who have continued to, and going back to the Rio Olympics, the two medals that India won came from women athletes, and para-athletes equally, who have started performing and done the nation proud on so many occasions. So yeah, once we had the topics in mind, um, we then made a list of the authors. And these were all sports writers who were on our wish list as people having incredible domain expertise, unique insights, and very, very distinct styles. So I think we count ourselves fortunate that every single person we reached out to agreed to come on board, agreed to contribute to the book. And the process of putting the book together, of course, stretched much, much longer than any of us had anticipated. The book ended up coming out, well, in 2019 instead of 2018. But the, the entire process of collating essays from 13 authors, putting that, putting it through the various editorial, uh, you know, the stages of the editorial process, which include obviously checking for facts and checking for the tone and, um, you know, putting putting in place a pattern and a flow to the whole book such that it is a coherent unit, but at the same time, it equally preserves the distinct style and tone of each author. I mean, that came with huge learning. And this was all work that was going on alongside our regular work of keeping an organization running and um, supporting about 120 plus athletes across Olympic and Paralympic sports. So, I think I, I again, count myself incredibly fortunate to have had the opportunity to do that, to contribute to the book myself as a co-author, along with, again, childhood idols of mine, and of course, uh, co-edit the entire book as well. And once once we had our essays in place, once the book started coming together, we obviously wanted to make sure that we would be able to publish it and make it available to Indian audiences and fans of sport, because these were inspiring stories that we believe needed to be told. And we wanted to find a market for that. And we wanted to find a publisher who would be able to do it justice. So again, here, I have to thank one of our authors, Rupa Pai, who introduced us to our commissioning editor, Gurbeen Chadda from Penguin Random House, who thankfully believed in the project from day one, um, took on the book, and she was just such a delight to work with her and the entire team at Penguin Random House. I'm so, so thankful for their support. It was delayed by many more months, like I said earlier, but I think it came together beautifully because the book was launched about one month before the organization won its national award um, for our recognition for our work in sport. So I think it was a truly special year 2019. And the book, particularly for me, was a childhood dream come true that I got to live out.
0: I actually read the book earlier this month and I loved it. I mean, all the essays are so well written. Uh, The stories are so inspiring. The most impressed, I think I was with the uh, story of Kant Petkar. I think people should just, you know, Google about him and then buy the book and read about it. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned it in your essay. And then uh, again, of course, Rahul Dravid mentions him in the last uh, essay uh, in the book. Uh, Do uh, do you want to uh, talk about the book a bit more? Like uh, uh, people can buy it from Amazon and are there any other platforms? Uh
2: Absolutely. Yes, they can buy it from Amazon. I think it's available on Flipkart as well. It's basically available on all major shopping, on all major platforms that you're getting your books from, guys. And I think yeah, Indian Sport needs our support more than ever before. And if you are still among the few people who believe that sport is not important in nation-building exercise. We would encourage you to buy the book and read the stories out there. It is the first time that Rahul Dravid has written and penned his own story and his vision for Indian sport. So I know know a lot of Rahul Dravid fans who were motivated to buy the book just on that story alone. And I can assure you that it's worth it. And of course, we have the story of Abhinav Bindra and his obsessive pursuit of perfection, which he has detailed in the book along with Pulela Gopichan's story of how he turned from a champion athlete to a champion maker, um, to one of India's most successful coaches. So really, I think there's there's something in it for everyone. And of course, we hope that you will read every story and find some inspiration and learning in it. But equally, if you're interested in any one of the topics that I just mentioned, go for it, pick it up and yeah, get in touch and let us know your feedback. It's available on Penguin's website as well. The book is called Go India's Sporting Transformation. And yeah, as we mentioned earlier, also available to purchase on Amazon and Flipkart.
0: All right.
1: Guys, everybody go buy the book. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm also right now reading the book. So I hope I everyone enjoys it. Uh, now okay. let's talk about uh, your move to Australia. Uh, you're volunteering for some sports projects there?
2: Yes, I am. Yeah, so... I I got married at the end of last year and I so moved to let's... Melbourne <laughs> thank you and I moved to Melbourne of course which is one of the world's most exciting sports cities so I don't want to say that that was a huge factor in my marriage but I'm definitely excited to be here um as I mentioned a little earlier it's been an extremely strange and surreal year to move to a new country and then find myself locked down pretty much in the first quarter of the year but that's an experience that most of us all over the world share. Um, I again have Go Sports to thank for some of the projects and some of the work that I've been able to do this year to enable me myself to stay connected and to really be able to meet people out there. Um, because, so one of the events that we used to organize through Go Sports was an annual sports law and policy symposium. And I was fortunate to meet Craig Foster at the symposium last year. I believe it was. Um, Craig Foster, for those who don't know, is uh, one of Australia's former football captains. He's been an athlete, of course, at the highest level. But he's best known for wearing many many hats. He has uh, pursued a career as a broadcaster over here on one of uh, Australia's most popular TV channels. But equally, he's also a person who believes very very strongly and is committed to social justice. And he was at the symposium to speak about the campaign that he had led to save a Bahraini refugee called Hakim al-Arabi, who also was an international footballer, who was being persecuted by um, his native regime and was incarcerated wrongfully in Thailand. And Craig managed to mobilize global sporting networks and bodies to free Hakim from prison and bring him back to Australia, where he belonged, to safety. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. For those who are more interested in the details of that case, I can promise you that it is fascinating. Craig's actually written a book about it called Save Hakim as well. I would encourage each of you to read that. But my connection to Craig basically came about because I was inspired when I heard this story. Um, I was extremely inspired by the fact that uh, he is not one of those people who will take injustice lying down. And equally, he's not one of those who waits for other people to set wrongs right. He goes out there and takes the lead himself. And um, I think the best thing that I have done is staying in touch with Craig after meeting him at that symposium. And he has been kind enough to give me an opportunity to volunteer on a couple of projects that he's been leading. Um, One of which, of course, I'll speak about because it has to do with sports, which you mentioned, and this is a sports podcast. So when COVID-19 first came to Australia around March, 2020, Craig realized that there were a lot of athletes who were playing at a professional or semi-professional level, who would have a lot of spare time on hand, um, time that they would have spent training or you know getting fit in their pursuit of sport, which now they could use to put themselves at the service of the community. So he launched this campaign along with his friend who, and equally a global uh, national sports personality called Adam Goodes. Um, he launched Play for Lives in March 2020 with the idea that sports people should get in touch with charities and community organizations around them, find out what they need, and then offer that help however much they were able to. If that meant um, going and volunteering at a local charity around you, then Craig took the lead in doing that. He's been volunteering at a community center in his neighborhood in Sydney, where he lives. And he's been encouraging a large number of sports personalities from all across Australia, to be honest, to volunteer their time and to share the cause, Um, any cause that resonated with them, to share, to speak about it on social media, to encourage other people to do so, and basically to reinforce the notion that all of us have a role to play, that we don't have to sit idle during lockdown, waiting for things to open up, wondering when our lives are going to go back to normal. There is growing need in the community. Um, I'm sure this is true of most countries in the world, but even in Australia, ca- charities have been facing escalating demand. Honestly, there's a 300% increase in demand over here and with dwindling resources. Because most volunteers in the country tend to be in the high-risk age category. So Craig basically started speaking about the fact that a lot of sports people could go and volunteer their time to these charities and help them at a time of drastic need. And when I heard about this, of course, I was inspired as well because I also had time to help. I was still looking for paid work, but equally I was looking for meaningful ways in which to use my time. And again, yeah, he made some connections and I came on board as campaign manager over here. And to be honest, I can speak for myself and say that it's been the most meaningful thing that I've done all year because it's given me the opportunity sitting right here in one room for the past few, well, for more than six months, to be honest, at this point, to call people, to understand what, what need they have and to then make the connections to sports clubs at all levels. We're talking grassroots sports clubs, athletes, uh, staff, officials, elite athletes to make the connections and to say, hey, do you know what? Um, this charity XYZ needs people to pack some food, to to volunteer to drive food around. Um, they, need, they would love to be connected with an elite athlete who can give them an inspiring message online. So would one of you be willing to make a phone call and maybe connect with a, chi- with a child with special needs or with an adult who's feeling vulnerable and isolated? And of course, a lot of people have been willing to do that because In this time, for some reason, there's also been increased goodwill. And everybody has found meaning, just like myself, all the athletes who've been giving the help have equally found that it has helped them. Uh, So this has been something that I've been very, very fortunate to do. And that's the project that I've been volunteering on. And I hope to continue growing the initiative. And I'm also very happy to state that pay for lives has also come to India in a different format. And in fact, Go Sports Foundation has taken the lead in bringing it to India as play for India, okay. where elite athletes from different sports have taken the lead to raise funds for those in their sports who are working at a daily wage level, whose incomes have been completely decimated by the pandemic. And a lot of athletes from various sports have actually managed to raise a significant amount of funds to cover the wages of these people. It's, it's not everything that people need, but it's a significant, significant start. And there's so much more that can be done. My cousin reached out to me also earlier this year with the objective of, hey, let's start a platform where we are just putting the idea of women's sport out there. Because to be honest, there are many platforms, of course, that cover men's sport. There are many that cover men's and women's sport, but there aren't enough speaking about simply the idea of women being in sport. And we know for a fact that not only can women be athletes, right, at the highest level, there are also enough women who are interested enough in sport to make a career out of it. So why don't we put the idea out there just to start stories and to maybe create inspiration if we're able to kind of spark a thought process even in one mind out there, it's worth it. So we started that platform to just... Put out stories and to collate certain ideas and so on. And that's an ongoing project that we're working on as well. So that's a project that I'm hoping to grow also in days to come. So, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate to find these projects to keep me occupied and to enable me to do some good and connect with the community in a very different way.
1: So, very inspiring. Uh, please keep up the good work. And I know of our shooters asking for funds for Play for India for the Kannising shooting range staff, which were uh, requiring funds. So, great, great work.
2: So- Yeah, Exactly. Absolutely.
1: All right. Uh, Thank you, Ops, for
0: sharing your journey with our listeners. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what message would you like to give to your fellow Indians about how they can support our athletes?
2: Oh, wow. Um, Where do I start? I mean, there are so many ways, guys, in which sport needs your support. And now more than ever, I know that it feels counterintuitive at this point when lots of people have lost their income and are struggling to kind of make ends meet and cover their household expenses to think about supporting sport. But please also think about the fact that there are many people who got their incomes from sport. So there are different ways in which you can make a difference. If you know an athlete who's you know competing professionally, semi-professionally at the highest level and so on, I think the first thing you can do is encourage them, check in on them, see how they're doing because it's an extremely uncertain time for them as well with the entire return to sport, with a big question mark hanging over return to sport. They need your support. When they go back to training, please go and watch them. Please go and encourage them. Maybe become their fitness partner in their training as well, if you're able to. And one of the most important things that a lot of us can do for athletes who we know that we don't even realize is we can help them share their stories. Um, Sports people's stories have so much inspiration and so much potential to create a ripple effect. This was something, this was a principle that we used to use all the time at Go Sports as well. And I know that each of us is personally inspired by the stories of different sports people. We relate to different traits that sports people carry. In their sporting careers help them tell their stories, create social media profiles for them, create pages for them, help them share the most inspiring parts of their journey to sport. And of course, i mean if you want to look around for organizations who are doing great work behind the scenes of course i would speak about go sports foundation but also there are a lot of organizations who are working with athletes from a younger age and also working for example through the play for india initiative to ensure that there are incomes of people working in sport who aren't um, that that the lives of people working in sport aren't completely decimated and that they have an income going forward so for example if you're speaking about our cleaners, um, people who do maintenance work at Stadia, our caddies on golf courses, you know, all of these people equally need to be taken care of. So please do look out, go, go visit the Play for India website and check out how you can become a part of this journey because Indian sport needs you. And yeah, there are there are many, many things that you can do to ensure that India is able to create athletes who come out because of the system and not
0: despite the system. So listeners, as Aparna said, please become a part of the sports ecosystem. We all need your support.
1: Yeah. So to conclude, uh, do you have any sports-related book or movie or TV series that you feel Indian sports fans should take out? Other than go, other than your book, of course. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, of course, I was going to say my book. But yeah, I've got, I've got a fair few. Um, personally, I think I'm inspired by stories of athletes who show a lot of resilience and grit in their careers. So, you know, my favorite tennis player, for those who know me and follow my social media feeds, it's not going to be a surprise, but it is Rafa Nadal. And yeah, his book was very, very inspiring to me personally to know the extent of physical challenges that he had to overcome to achieve the level of excellence that he has in his career. Another tennis book that I would recommend, which I found absolutely fascinating, was Andre Agassi's Open. Um, To know that there is an athlete who doesn't didn't necessarily love his sport for most of his life, but ended up being a champion in spite of that fact. I mean, there are there are lessons to be learned in that as well. And closer home, there's Abhinav Bindra's autobiography, beautifully written by one of my favorite sports writers, Rohit Brijnath, who also has written a story in our book, in Go India Sporting Transformation please do grab Abhinav's autobiography as well. Again, it's the story of an athlete who was obsessed with perfection and, and the extent to which he went to achieve that, I mean, it blew my mind. Um, Go, of course, my own book, I wouldn't let you go without plugging that. It has something for everyone. So do go find it. When we speak of sports series, I think this year all of us have gotten well acquainted with the offering on Netflix. So Many people may already have watched The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's documentary, yeah. fascinating, truly inspiring. But something that came out a little more recently, which somehow hasn't gotten that level of coverage, is The Coach's Playbook. And that, I believe, is also equally fascinating. And if anything, more, because you very rarely get to hear from coaches who are every bit as instrumental in an athlete's success as the athlete themselves. So, yeah, watch The Coach's Playbook on Netflix. and. Another series that I, uh, I think I began my lockdown by watching was the story of the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team, All or Nothing on Amazon Prime. There's a whole series of All or Nothing shows on different teams in different sports. I personally found the story of the All Blacks extremely inspiring and it's beautifully made. Um, watch it. And yeah, sports movies, I'll give one recommendation, which is my favorite, Borg versus McEnroe. An absolute brilliant movie, just giving you insights into the athletes, into the minds of two athletes who seemed like polar opposites, but were extremely tenacious and extremely gritty and, yeah, obsessive in their own different ways. Just fascinating to get an insight into athletes' minds.
0: So, yeah, that's my recommendations. Perfect. Those are great recommendations. Thank you so much for your time again. What a pleasure to have you today.
2: Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it every bit. Thanks a lot. It's been fun talking sport, as always.
0: This podcast was brought to you by
1: Ernest Sports Management and Ayut Sports. If you liked today's episode, please leave a positive review on the platform you're listening. Do share this podcast with your family and friends. Uh, Let us know what you like and did not like at jeetpodcasts at gmail.com. See you next week.